Our scripture reading today is from John 14, 15 through 27. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We all fear being left alone, being forgotten, abandoned. Just jumping right into it, some of us, some of us have experienced this in, in truly terrible, painful, heartbreaking ways. Your father left, left your family when you were young. Your parents divorced. Your child, your unborn child died. There's times that, that I've felt this profoundly suffocatingly. Have you felt this before? Maybe, maybe some of you, maybe some of you are coming in here today and you feel like that. Our hearts don't walk in these doors and come into this building dressed up with a smile on, even if we might outwardly. It's hard to shake that, that despair, that feeling of being abandoned. People who, who were once with us, who were close to us, now they're just, they're just gone. And maybe, they're, maybe they're physically still with us, but they've left us far behind emotionally. Maybe they left on purpose, or, or maybe they've been taken from us. But we were made for relationship, for companionship, for friendship. But with that, we often have this, this crippling fear of being alone. And because we need friendship so much, it's often so fraught with, with this anxiety. Because people, humans, are, are not prone to faithful friendship. Just the opposite, actually. So, so we go about living in varying degrees with this constant fear of abandonment. 
So maybe others of you actually are here, um, sitting here thinking, actually, I don't, I don't mind being alone too much. I, the kids running around at home, or the roommates crowding out my space, the classmates getting on my nerves. Actually, I think I could use a little bit more alone time. But, but I'm not talking here about getting more alone time. We, we all need that, no matter how extroverted we are. I'm talking about being truly alone, being left. Whether it's losing someone or, or someone actively abandoning us, if we're honest with ourselves, either way, it's, it's, this is truly terrifying. And this is, this is what the, the disciples in our passage, this is what they're facing. Jesus is speaking to them and to their fear. He wants to, to comfort them, to care for them. He's, he wants to love them, love his friends in their time of need. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Lord, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, thank you, God, for today, God, for this day that you have made. God, thank you for these people. God, your people, you've gathered together this morning to hear your word. Just pray that you would open up our hearts to hear you speak. God, that we would be listeners. Um, God, I just pray that it would be your word spoken through your spirit, God, today. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So today, as we continue our series, we're, we're looking at the often misunderstood third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to hear the story of the Spirit as we've been going through the whole Bible. Today, we're going to hear the story of the Spirit from Jesus himself. John 14 through 16 is one of the most rich, profound, sustained expositions of, of the Holy Spirit that we get in the whole Bible. And it all sums up to this statement. When the Spirit lives in us, God is the closest friend we will ever have. Here in our passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples, his friends, one, one final time, and he's about to be, to be tried, wrongfully convicted, and, and crucified. And then he's going to rise from the dead, and he's going to return to the, his Father, return to his Father in heaven, and this is going to leave his friends in the world with the people who killed Jesus. Here's their friend leaving right when the disciples need him the most. Why? Well, Jesus actually tells them. In 16 verse 7, he says, it is to your advantage that I leave you. Really, Jesus? How is this better? Is it really better that Jesus leaves? He's, he's the one who did all of these miracles while they were with him. He's the one who showed the disciples the Father. When we think about our own lives, a lot of times we long for, for seeing Jesus face to face, for being with him personally, to have that, the comfort of friendship that having a physical hug from Jesus would give. If only we could have that. Actually, I imagine the day that I see Jesus face to face a lot, actually. It's one of the things I go to when I need it. 
a running embrace, tears flowing as the maker of the universe holds my head in his hands and smiling, wipes the tears away. A long, sobbing embrace with, with my head buried in his neck, his hair covering over my face. That, that warm, musky sense that, that reminds me, that can only remind me of, of child's love for his daddy. And that day is not today. At least I'm not, I don't think so. Soon, the disciples, <laughs> uh, their time to be with Jesus physically is ending. He's going to leave them. He's going to return to the Father. And in this world, they'll no longer be, be taught. They'll no longer be healed, hugged by their maker. How can that be better? Seems like such a massive loss, right? So in our text from, from John 14 through 16, Jesus' main goal is to encourage his disciples as he prepares to leave them. If you look at John 14, verse 1, Jesus begins with, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he repeats this again in verse 27. And then at the very end, in 1633, he encourages them, take heart. But if Jesus is leaving them, how can they do that? How can they face that fear, face the loneliness? Jesus says, it's because they won't be alone. When the Spirit lives in us, we have a friend who will be with us forever. So look at, look at what Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 16. We, we read this earlier. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. So here we get the first, the first of four total times that Jesus refers to the, the Holy Spirit as helper in this passage. And then the, um, the Greek word here, behind this word is paraclete. And it's a kind of a complex word that doesn't really have any great English equivalents, but you can actually see this in the way that it's translated in all the different English translations. If you look on the screen, we see that in ESV, which is our translation, it's the helper. He's also called the advocate. It's also translated as counselor, comforter. In the message, it's friend. And when we think of a good friend, these are all the things that we think of. The ideal friend encapsulates all the different ways that we could think of this Greek word paraclete. Good friends help us in hard times. Good friends advocate for our good. Good friends counsel us when we're feeling lost or confused. Good friends comfort us when we're hurting or anxious. Notice that this friend is a gift. The Father, the Father gives the Spirit. And the Father and, and the Son together are sent. They, sent, they send the, the Spirit. Just as Jesus was sent by the Father, they send the Spirit. And the Spirit's another friend. Just as Jesus has been their friend so far, he actually calls the disciples their friends, his friends in the next chapter. The Spirit, when Jesus leaves, the Spirit will be their friend, just as Jesus has been. So in reference to this, in, in chapter 14, verse 18, where Jesus tells his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This quote, theologian Andreas Kostenberger, he says this, when the Spirit 
comes to dwell in believers, it's as if Jesus himself takes up residence in them. Do you realize how crazy this is? How profoundly strange and yet hugely significant that Jesus, one with the Father, comes to live inside us. This is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. He's making his home not just on earth, not just generally present with his people, but living within us, each of us. This blows my mind. I was studying for this passage this week, and, and this just kind of like popped, popped out at me in a way I'd never really realized before when the Spirit comes and lives inside of us. When we believe in Jesus, it's not just some spiritual force. It's not just like a third of God's presence. It's God, all of him, the fullness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They're, they're all one. They're not kind of three different parts that you can divide up like pieces of a pie. It's, it's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when the Father and the Son send the Spirit, it's saying that God himself is packing his bag, so to speak, and all three persons of the tri-unity of God, they each together come, and they come into the door of our hearts, and they make themselves at home. They're all with us, and they're never leaving. This is the point of Jesus' promise in chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come to him and make our home with him. By implication, it's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The language Jesus uses for, for welcoming the Holy Spirit is to receive him. This is by faith. When we believe in Jesus, this is, this is a prerequisite for knowing God at all, much less knowing God in us. This is the whole reason why John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, why he's writing this gospel. He's writing it as an eyewitness testimony of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You see this in John 20, verse 31. These, the, the acts and the words of Jesus, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. If you believe in Jesus, the Spirit is in you right now the spirit of life, of truth. Jesus is the way to life, and the spirit brings that life right inside the home of your hearts. God is living inside of you, inside all of us who follow Jesus. Okay, so what happens now? What does this friend even do? Why does this matter? How is this anything more than just some kind of vague theological mystery? Well, I'll tell you, it's, if the Holy Spirit living in us means God is our closest friend, it means that we'll always have a friend who tells us God's truth. Truth with a capital T. When the Spirit lives in us, we have a friend who will always tell us the truth. When we believe, when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and, and he says who he is, in John 14, 7, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we believe this, when we, that's, that's when we make space in our hearts for the Spirit to live in us because truth is a person. It's Jesus. And the Spirit speaks this truth 
to us. But what happens now? How do we deepen this friendship, this friend who's living in us? I'll be blunt. We need to actually listen to him, not just to ourselves. The listen to your heart is is not the way to a spirit-filled way of life. We need to hear God speak. And by the Spirit, he does speak. And then we respond in faithful obedience. But we have to be quiet enough to hear him. We have to stop long enough to listen. If God's our friend, and if he lives in us, we have to treat him like a friend. We have to love him, listen to him, spend time with him, invite him on our, on our fun outings, and invite him along with us on those terrifying tasks that we have. We need to weep with him. We need to ask him for help. Have you ever had a friendship that, that kind of felt one-sided, where it didn't really have any depth because it seemed like all this person wanted to do was to talk about their own stuff? And then, and then even when you, you tried to give advice, they just didn't even, didn't even listen. Without listening, it's not a friendship. It's just using someone to vent. And maybe you've felt like that before. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that. Or maybe you're sitting here realizing that, that you might be the one making that relationship one-sided, where you're using someone without even listening to them. I know I've had to face that in some relationships. When we do that, when we refuse to make space to listen to the Spirit speak to us, to speak the truth to us, this is how we're treating him. He wants to help us, but, but we have to listen to him. So something I've found that's been helpful, for me to kind of make this practical and I can bring it down to the ground, is, is this discipline that's called breath prayer. And it's where you say in your mind a, a Bible-based phrase, a short phrase, with each breath that you take in and out. The one that, one that I like to use is, Lord, I receive your love for breathing in, and then I let go of my hold on life for breathing out. That's just the one that I like to use. There's a whole Bible full of phrases you can use, so find something that works for you. This discipline goes along really well with the discipline of silence, being silent. So give yourself a moment, just two, five, ten minutes, at some point during the day that works. So like a lunch break, or, or maybe you're just sitting in the car before you go into the office, or in the morning before the kids wake up. And then, just sit in silence. Silence. No music, no reading, no podcasts, no agenda or schedule or list, not even that internal monologue. And this is where that breath prayer comes in because thoughts come to mind and instead of judging them or, 
or pushing them away, just, just refocus on your breath and saying the phrase in and out. And then this will help replace those anxious thoughts and, and it'll give space in your heart to let the Spirit speak. And as often, he usually speaks actually through those same things that, that come and happen to come into your mind and the things that seem to be bothering you. And so afterwards, just take note of those things and, and then see if the Spirit's asking you to do something about them. And if he is, then actually do what he tells you to do. Because this friend of ours is it's not just our friend, he's our Lord and our King. His word is truth itself. And Jesus, over and over, connects his ministry and that of the spirits to our response of loving obedience. When we believe, we live differently. Not perfect by any means, but different. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he's got a great way of making this connection between faith in Christ and obedience to his word. Hear what he says. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There'd be no sense in saying you trusted the person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. But trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he's already begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a result, as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint, faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. The ministry of our true speaking friend, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, it's been called the, his spotlight ministry. The Holy Spirit shines a light on Jesus, makes him known, and speaks his truth into our hearts so that we can trust and obey Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit did in the disciples. See, in chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And again, he says in, in 16, verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, the disciples, into all the truth. And after Jesus rises from the grave in, in chapter 20, verse 22, he, he breathes the Spirit over the disciples. And then the Spirit does it, reminds them of Jesus' teaching, guides them into the truth. And this is how we get the Bible. John's gospel, John's gospel is the result of what Jesus told the disciples the Spirit would do. And now, the Spirit speaks to us. Primarily in and through God's word, the Bible, but, but also alongside that, we, just like the disciples, we need the ongoing teaching ministry of the Spirit to remember Christ, to be convicted by the truth of Christ, and then to love and obey him. The Spirit continues to spotlight Christ in our own hearts, just as he did at first, and then he gives faith once, the first time, and then he keeps on giving it as we come to him and open ourselves to his word. The Spirit is this faithful friend. 
whose faithfulness upholds our own faith. This is why we need him. We need a friend who will tell us the truth. A friend who will lead us, lead us into that truth. So what exactly are we to obey when he does this? What specifically does obeying Christ, obeying his teaching mean? First and foremost, it means love. Love God. Love one another. And then by loving, we become a witness to God's love for the whole world. And the Spirit lives in us. Not only is, is God our friend forever, not only do we have this friend who, who speaks the truth to us, the truth of Christ, we also have a friend to strengthen us to share the love of Christ. When the Spirit lives in us, we have a friend who strengthens us to share Christ. If the, Spirit's, if the Spirit's indwelling, his friendship is how Jesus is encouraging the disciples in this time, the strength to stand up for Christ and to share his redeeming, reconciling love, that's the why. Jesus calls the disciples to bear witness about Christ. Just as the Holy Spirit bears witness to them, he says in chapter 15, verse 26 through 27, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. With the witness language, Jesus is using this image of a courtroom, being put on trial for your faith, being on the witness stand, so to speak. What, what Jesus means when he's talking about bearing witness is this, it's sharing Christ. It's giving testimony to God's love, even as you are crucified for doing that. Because this is literally what Jesus was about to do. To be crucified as a display of God's love for the world, even to the point of taking death on himself. To sacrifice himself for us. And by the Spirit, he calls his disciples to follow him in that same self-sacrificial way. Now, I'm not going to mince words here. When Jesus talks about the world hating his disciples just as they hated him, Jesus is not talking about political disagreements. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus cares about politics, but they're not primary. They're just not. When we share Christ, we're sharing him, what he taught, what he lived. And that's this, to love to the point of death. This is the heart of the matter. This is the why of the Spirit. When we share Christ, we're strengthened by the Spirit to share in Christ, to share in his same reconciling love, both for one another and for the world, and then to share in his suffering for doing that. This is why the disciples needed the friend so desperately to be strong enough to love a world that hates them, to love people who make themselves out to be enemies in their unbelief, people who oppose God and God's people who stubbornly resist the truth of God's love displayed on the cross, people just like us, like we all once were. So we need the same friend. We need the same spirit 
a friend with us in the trenches of self-sacrificial, reconciling love. Jesus knew his disciples were not up to the task. Friends, neither are we. The Holy Spirit is the one, the one who empowers all of us who follow Jesus, no matter where we come from, sinners, outcasts, religious folk alike, all of us to be united as one. We all have the same Spirit who is himself united with Jesus and the Father. And so the love that the Father has for the Son, that they both have for the Spirit, this overflows in a community of people who are filled by God's Spirit. We become love one another people. Just think about the example that we have of our fellow believers right now in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, most of them, all of them, are probably living in a state of profound fear, of feeling abandoned and isolated. And yet, the church is growing. I've read that it's, it's actually one of the fastest growing churches in the world right now. They've been called by God to love people around them, to love their community. And by the strength of the Spirit, they're, they're coming together. They're proclaiming the love of Christ, their love for one another and for others. It, it stands out. It stands out like a lamp in the dark. Friends, we, we also are hurting. We're afraid, anxious. We're divided over the past year and a half. It's not the same at all as living under an extremist regime, but, but a lot of us have felt abandoned. Misunderstood, isolated. With this pandemic, with masks and race and justice, you name it, the dividing lines have fallen. And they've fallen over every community that you can think of. And especially, especially painful has been in families and in churches, including us, including us, our church. We, we need healing. How can we do this? How can we heal these divides and be united as a people, as one church who all claim to follow Jesus follow the same God and submit to the same Lord. How do we do that? Well, we're actually going to have an opportunity here in the next, not this week, but the next, to, to gather together and to find healing and hope as we process everything that's come from this pandemic. We're going to have a professional counselor, Brooke Hepner, who's graciously offered to spend an evening helping us do this. The event's called processing the pandemic, and, and you can go on our webpage um, and find more information and sign up if you're interested. Friends, we, we need to heal together. This is what having the same spirit allows us to do. In Ephesians 4, 3, Paul calls the church to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace by bearing with one another in love. This is what Jesus died for. We can only do this if we make space for the Spirit 
to come, to have his way in our hearts, to bear witness to us, and then, only then, can he bear witness through us. This is why God sent his spirit, to form a new kind of community, a community that's united and testifying to God's reconciling love for all kinds of people. By the indwelling spirit, Jesus is sending us just as the Father sent him. Let me pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your reconciling love that makes friends out of us who were once enemies. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who you have given us so that, that we might be friends with you and you might be our friend forever. God, we, we pray now for all the people of Afghanistan that you would protect those who remain there. God, strengthen our brothers and our sisters to show your love. Protect also those who are fleeing. May they find generous hospitality as you care for them. Comfort also those who mourn. And now, Lord God, we, we pray that we might see all people as you see them. And God, may your spirit give us the strength to love as you love.